Hello, and welcome to GeekSweat. We are the film news, reviews, and interview podcast for film, filmmakers, and film enthusiasts. Our episodes include Cult Film, Cult TV, Dom's Docs, Hot Topic, Interviews, The MKH Cut, Review Sweat, Trailer Talk, and much, much more. We hope you enjoy our next episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Geek Sweat. Um, I'm Stephen, as I've been for a lo- long time now. And um, <laughs> this is, um, we're going to do a review sweat today. Review set is where we um, review something. It's it's really satisfying. <laughs> um, joining me today are uh, uh, Trevor. Howdy. You all right? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm giving you a new angle of my house now, so... I wanted to look a bit more sophisticated. That bookshelf straight. I don't know. It looks a bit. It's an IKEA bookshelf, so it has to be straight. But it's Hi, like yeah, the, the room's wonky. Hi, Jamie. Jamie's here. Hey, how you doing? Bad. How's how's life in hospitals? Oh my god. I'm I'm waiting for the surge. I'm I'm waiting for the for the next kind of barrage of, of sick patients. But um, um, yeah, it, 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 it'll happen soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, well, good luck with that. It's um, <laughs> it, it's a sombre mo- note to start with, but <laughs> let's uh, let's carry on. And uh, we're going to talk today about Lovecraft Country, which is a new HBO produced um, drama from um, horror drama. Uh, um, I'll ask you to uh, define it in a second. Trevor, is there anyone famous um, involved with this, with the producing? And I mean, I know Jordan Jordan Peele. Yeah, yeah, you, you're kind of right. It's a kind of a who's who of who's making like big budget projects at the moment. So names attached to this include J.J. Abrams, who's famous for um, Star Wars and uh, Star Trek now, and obviously the series Lost. Uh, Jordan Peele, who had um, his comedy series, uh, Key and Peele, and who's broken out into films with uh, things like Get Out and Us. And we've also got someone called Jan Demange, who is an Algerian filmmaker who actually released the series Dead Set, I think it was, on uh, Channel 4. Dead set. There's something to do with Dead Set. Sorry. He he was um he was a director of um the t- TV series Dead Set in 2008 and also Top Boy, um in 2011. Um, so you've got a kind of a who's who of the up and coming and uh, talented uh, filmmakers and producers. But Misha Green is also a, a key component as executive producer and story creator of uh, Lovecraft Country. Okay, so let's talk a bit about what Lovecraft Country is. Um, Obviously, there's some link to H.P. Lovecraft here. Do either of you know anything about H.P. Lovecraft? Nothing at all. Nothing at all, really? I mean, you've heard of him, surely? No, no, no. Lovecraft Country is my introduction to it, and even then I don't know that much. So Never heard of Cthulhu? Yeah, I've heard of Cthulhu, but I've never, like, I'm not acquainted with it or anything. I would say I I really try to go out of my way to read books before I see the film or TV adaptation of them. But I understand that H.P. Lovecraft might be responsible for something like John Carter of Mars, which was turned into a feature film. And But I've, I've not got a chance to read any of his books or works, but I heard he's supposed to be like a real... Uh, prominent American writer in uh, the science fiction region. 
in a way, although he was never famous in his lifetime, really. Really? Uh, yeah, he's he's one of those Van Gogh type characters who, like okay. me, perhaps, who only become known for their genius after they die. Um, <laughs> or sex, or sex tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what you need to do is fake your, fake your death and then come back so you can reap, reap the rewards. So um, it's interesting because H.P. Lovecraft was, I mean, I'll tell you a little story now. I um, A few months ago, I, I, this is no relation to watching this and, and this programme, I, I bought the complete H.P. Lovecraft. I thought I could work my way through it. Um, it would have been nice if this programme had happened next year and I'd have had a chance to read it all and then I could tell you all the different um, connections and stuff in it but I didn't I got to a racist story and it kind of put me off for a bit and I haven't gone back to it since what made it racist for you was it the was it the language or the oh no it's, he has a concept of, uh, of the black man as an ignorant kind of uh, uh, you know not worth you know it's all about how the white white man is the best but he's also I mean he's kind of prejudiced against everyone because he's a was it he's a white Protestant I, I think yeah, um, so, I mean, I'm not sure if it was the um, story device, but um, according to his Wikipedia page, yeah, he's um, born in Providence, Rhode Island, which probably, and he was into anthropocentrism as well. What's that? You can't just throw that. <laughs> anthropocentrism is the belief that human beings are the most important entity in the universe and it interprets or regards the world in terms of human values and experiences. Ah, so yeah, okay, a little bit of an ego. Doesn't care about the animals at all. I guess he's not vegan then. <laughs> but yeah, so there's um, he was he he's a famous racist. <laughs> I mean, kind of one of the people that you know. Whenever you talk about people, um, go oh yeah, he was terrible. But um, his stories have had quite an effect on science fiction and fantasy since he wrote them. I mean, he's he's got he hasn't got the greatest writing style. He's kind of it's very detail orientated. It's kind of like um, you know, it's all about um, uh, the, the equipment they're using, the uh, clothing they're wearing. No one, there's no dialogue in it. It's all kind of first person narrative, um, as far as I've read anyway. And as far as I know, I'm, I'm sure there are different. He does experiment, and I've only like read a few of the early stories, but there's basically no dialogue in any of them. It's all description. They can get kind of. It's good that it's short stories because you know, it's um, it gets it's easier to get through. Um, but the interesting thing is that Lovecraft Country, despite Lovecraft or because of Lovecraft's racism, is centered yeah. on um uh, a black community in um. It's set in Chicago. I thought, I thought it was Chicago. It, it centers on a black um, well, a family and their acquaintances um who um. The father, um, the, the kind of the main uh, patriarchal character in the first couple of episodes is, is called George, and he organises these bus tours for, for black people for safe passage for them, so holiday destinations or whatever, or safe passage yeah. in between, kind of, because this is like Jim Crow law America. And yeah. um, so I, I think I've gabbled on a little bit um, about this. Um, so what did you think of the concept and the... Uh, and um, yeah, just about general programme, and let's go for Jamie first. Oh, you know what? I, I thought it was kind of weird. It's, it, I mean, like you said, it was like a horror-type genre, but for me, it wasn't very horror at all. No, but, really? 
I mean, it was, I mean, like it, it was more supernatural stuff, yes. Um, yeah. but I didn't think it was quite horror. Um, so maybe mm. the genre doesn't quite describe what I I what it is is to me. I I quite enjoyed it. Um, like I haven't quite finished the series yet. I'm just on the last episode, but um, I like I like that it's different from all of the other ones that do the supernatural thing. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I like, um, and I, I like also that it's not filled with beautiful people. If you know what I mean, it's like yeah. you get a lot of shows that cast according to how beautiful the woman is, or how interesting or strong the men are or how you know it, it's sold on sex appeal as well yeah Whereas this one is very for me very it's more real it's more raw in terms of the casting um mm. i you know i i think there could have been a little bit more diversity as well even though this is predominantly a black cast and you know a small kind of um tiny bit of asian in there but i don't, I don't know i mean in, in terms of that kind of i mean it's, it's very heavily weighted toward the black community um and you know it has very strong um focuses on um racism and things like that so i, I think it's refreshing for me it's refreshing and it's different and i like that yeah cool Okay, Trevor, um, what are your impressions of Lovecraft Country? Um, I, I think it's a, it's a very, it's a great hybrid concept story um, involving um, real American history and um, science fiction. Yeah. And I think it was an interesting platform to kind of look at some of the horrific elements of... Um, of uh, Historical racism. In yeah, historical racism in America, yeah. and 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 they they kind of tapped into some real things like um, the death of Emmett Till, to uh, like the issue with um, trying to buy houses in do, in different estate areas and the problems with that and police harassment. So that was interesting. Um, I thought the casting, going back to what Jamie said, it was very unconventional for what normally comes out of Hollywood. But it was, it, I think it helped ground it in a sense of realism because you don't have the cookie cutter models that are allowed to speak as the main characters. And ironically, the one um, white character in it who is, um, the name escapes me, but she, play, she plays like a witch sister. Christina. Christina, so Christina Brayfrey, thank you. She is kind of got supermodel looks, let's say, whereas the the thing that I really liked about Lovecraft Country is you got to see the whole pantheon of shadism with black characters. Cause normally there's a range of blackness that's allowed to be on screen, particularly front and center speaking parts. And we got an opportunity to see the darker skin characters from Ruby Baptiste, the singer, which I think had some allusions to uh, Nina Simone to the lighter skin characters um, who was um, Letitia, and it allowed, and also the the main character uh, played by who's Atticus Freeman. I think the Atticus is a throwback to Maya Angelou's main character in um, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. So I think there's little droplets of um, 
bread, uh, not breadcrumbs, Easter eggs of black history, as well as the idea that you're getting to see black people in a more of a represented way, not just, oh, these are the best and brightest, but you get some people who are probably lesser talked about. So we got to see the colorism, we got to see um, some sexuality issues, which don't doesn't always come up in the black community. And it wasn't predominantly resting on the shoulder of, um, of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Black people in church, which is, it can be a bit of an annoyance and a, a kind of a trope go-to for a lot of American TV shows. So in that sense, I felt it was nice to see a wider portrayal of black characters. even And so that's religiously, spiritually, uh, in terms of physical attributes as well. Um, so uh, how do you think um, it kind of all fitted together with the kind of the monsters and the kind of um, also, but also the kind of hard hitting, uh, well, I mean, this, uh, can I just have a comment on the uh, the um, slow car chase, which I thought was a fantastic thing. Uh, and I think it's the second episode or the first episode, the, the slow motion car chase. Whitney's on the move. <laughs> but yeah. they had to get out of the county by a certain time and they weren't allowed to, to speed and, I thought that was a fantastic thing. Because um, they they had they had to be out of that county by dawn or something. Yeah, yeah. And then they yeah, weren't allowed to speak because then yeah, they'd get because they'd get pulled over. So it yeah. was like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. And if you don't make the, uh... but that was also the first introduction to Christina, isn't it? Yeah. As well, just yeah. at the very end when she kind of cut them off. Yeah. I mean, uh, what do you think this program says about Black history in in America? That um, crossing county lines and um, understanding what the safe spaces were in terms of um, the safe travel book guide and um, the sheriff, there was a police officer telling or warning our main characters, Atticus, um, or, and the teacher, I think it was, um, of the danger that they're in if they don't cross the county line by sundown. I thought that was a very useful um uh signpost for black history but it's also a very different way to do a car chase in a in a horror movie or a tv show so i felt it 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 created a lot of tension in a very different way and i think the anxiety levels uh, it this series was very good at bringing up the anxiety levels of how violence could be around any corner yeah, and, and, and for me, it made me angry. It, it, that, that scene made me angry because I know that it's based on an element of truth and it's horrific mm. that, that people were subjected to that back in those days. And, you know, the 50s, that's not that long ago. Yeah, and um, I, I think the other thing as well is because when we get to explore um, Atticus's background and the fact that he's a war veteran who's returned to America after doing some horrible things in the Korean War, we get to see that the racism is not just uh, white on black, but even it's, it's uh, international with like Americans and how they subjected the Korean violence as well. Yeah, I was just going to bring up um, episode six because I thought episode, episode six is kind of a standalone episode. 
which kind of fills in a bit of um, uh, Atticus's backstory. But it's a very interesting episode. It could work as a little horror movie of its own, I think. That's when they brought in um, Gia, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, we, we had an introduction when they were at the house, at the mansion. Um, she had a brief kind of moment there, but we weren't really introduced to her in his backstory until episode six. No. Um, yeah. but, I mean, that episode's wonderful, and it did, did, it did a weird thing for me, whereas where you kind of... You, the episode is through her, is her story, and you, and suddenly you, I, I wanted her to kill Atticus, even though he's the hero of the first five episodes, and he's like the guy that we're for, because of what he did in that episode, I wanted her to get her revenge, and that was a weird thing, and that, you know, that, uh, I wanted the hero to die now, because he'd done one bad thing, and I, I don't know if that says more about me, than it's, <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, what, what do you think? Well, I mean, what, what were your? I mean, I, I just thought the episode was was maybe one of the best TV episodes I've seen. It's, it was just compact and it it made sense. The the thing I thought about it was um, it introduced um, a character called the Kumiho, which is supposed to be this kind of spirit animal of uh, like a wolf with hybrid tails that can inhabit somebody's body. Nine tail fox. Nine tail fox. That's it. So so yeah. So the situation was um, it was very interesting that this series continually introduces mythic characters and legends. And it wasn't just based on, in my opinion, H.P. Lovecraft, but they dipped into something cultural for that kind of region of um, Southeast Asia. And I think the interesting thing about um, making Atticus uh, an antagonist in his own series is I, I think it does make you question... Um, and it, I think you're supposed to question what makes a hero throughout the whole series. It's not just it's not just the guy with the the tight jeans and the white t-shirt with the axe in his hand and the and the girlfriend and the in, pretty face right, on his arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that I, that idea was like constantly being challenged. That the hero doesn't have to be white. The hero doesn't necessarily have to be the man. The hero doesn't necessarily have to be the strongest person in the room. And sometimes in the battles that was happening to overcome the monsters or the evil or the racism wasn't just about um, strength. It was also about mental agility as well, because in other episodes, some of the women and in some cases, the girls um, take front and centre stage into how they combat the monsters and the villains of this story. So I, I do feel it's very challenging. It's not really, but it's not just about racism. It's also about sexism and also homophobia when it comes to um, uh, Omar, not Omar. <laughs> <laughs> he called him Omar because he was in the wire, but um, the character <laughs> name Montrose. Montrose. Montrose, yeah. The first episode where we introduced to Ruby, kind of when she wakes up white, and that whole storyline with her. I mean, that, that was another kind of self-contained, could have been an interesting film quite thing. And her relationship with Tamara, the only yeah. other black employee. Tamara, Tamara is, was my, I, I always go for the um, fragile kind of ones who get all the shit. And poor Tamara, she never got a break in that episode at all. She ended up being raped and it's kind of, oh my God, poor Tamara. Yeah, but that episode is very interesting about the way she was kind of talking to Tamara. I wonder what, you both felt about that. I, th I think when Ruby's character kind of had a go at Tamara and, you know, when she was kind of like 
displaying the shoes and you know she was kind of like telling telling her how she should be displaying it and how she has to be better she has to work harder because she's not white um you know and that probably does ring true and I think she just want you know Ruby's character just wanted Tamara to be better so that she wasn't stepped all over but in doing that she was stepping over Tamara herself so it was very kind of like I don't know. Oh, hypocritical isn't quite the word I'm trying to find here, but it, it, it was almost like self-preserving, mm. you know. What did you think about it, Trevor? Um, well, I, I mean, what I want to do is just go back to kind of like the uh, the thread of what's going on because there's a lot that's to unpack in this series because, um, yeah. I mean, I, I still think Atticus Freeman, who's the main character played by Jonathan Majors, is the centre of the story and he's basically an american war veteran coming back from the korean war to kind of live with his family and keep in contact with his estranged father however um the situation is he is unaware that he has like a blood lineage heritage to a family that is um dealing with magic wizardry and spell casting and he comes upon this by accident through, like you said, the, the t- taking part in the tour of um, the Safe Travel Guide, which is a real thing in American history where there were books. I think The Green Book is a real film that came out, which, funnily enough, I think it also featured that same actor who we called Omar, who is in it. Um, Montrose. Montrose. Yeah, <laughs> um, he was in The Green Book. And um, so the idea is there is a there was a book of the times of safe spaces to travel to, which it was accepting of black folk. But through taking part in one of these tours, they accidentally come across um, some monsters and then they kind of get enveloped in this kind of estate where they have to um, come into contact with. Um, I can't remember, Chris, like the Braithwaite family, let, let's say. And then they start to discover mag- magic is a possibility. So I, I think. It was very interesting that how in tandem that they were hitting the notes of racism, but also exploring this untapped world or this underworld of magic and um, almost like paganism, as it were, um, which seemed to be rife in the community, but and ever so gently under the surface. And somehow it still finds time to do a bit of time travel as well. But going going back to that particular scene that um, Stephen was talking about, where she was metamorphosizing into a white person, it, it's very much, you know, she spent all of her life wanting to be white because they were treated better and because they had privilege and yeah. things like that. And I think by the end of it, it was, it, it, I mean, I, she did a U-turn, didn't she? Because she, she mm. kind of you know, because she was changing into a white woman on a regular basis, by the end of it, she didn't want to be white anymore. Um, yeah. And, you know, she she basically, re- she really kind of encapsulated what it was to be a racist white person by becoming white herself. And she didn't like that part of herself. Do you know what I saw is it was like the embodiment of like white privilege as people seem to think of it and understand it. But the idea also was this kind of gift, as it were, because she's able to turn into a white woman by magic and drinking a blood potion 
but the gift became kind of it didn't become a curse but it became um she was so consumed with the tools of racism she couldn't see past what it meant to be a white woman and actually just what it meant to be a woman which was the challenge that Christina Braithwaite was up against and it seemed like she was up against it on her own but because some people were consumed by the racism because of how their story or their character participated in it. They, they couldn't see past certain things. So it was interesting how people were, different characters were challenged by different problems and different scales. Because mm. you had Christina who, who struggled with the sexism. And then... And, and misogyny as well, to some extent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and um, Ruby with being black, so... No, it was an interesting concept to to have that, you know, that whole U-turn of, you know, I've, this is what I've always wanted. I've finally got it, but actually I'd rather not have it. Are you looking forward to season two? If there is a season two, is there a season two? <laughs> I think by the reviews, it's going to happen, but I don't think that no one's confirmed anything yet. Okay. And just a little bit of housekeeping here. Omar is, of course, uh, Michael K. Williams. He also he played a nifty teacher in Community as well, who was kind of bemused by the whole gang. And can I just have a little shout out to Jordan Patrick Smith, who played uh, William Braithwaite, because he used to be in Neighbours. And I remember when we watched him in Neighbours. Oh, serious? Yeah, so yeah, does that yeah. mean he was Australian? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he is. I think he's Scottish. And then he ended up in, he ended up in Neighbours playing Paul Robinson's son with the Italian twin that he married. And he's in Vikings as well. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just want to shout out to him because he's doing well for himself. And um, I like him. He's a good actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to come back on the Lovecraft season two. Um, a called, I'm just checking this from a website. but And it's the website is called Digital Spy. And it was produced on 21st of October. But they're saying that like, there's no word yet on whether sci-fi, the sci-fi horror series will be back for round two. But Misha Green did tell Rolling Stone that the team are in talks with HBO. And that means she's excited. These are her words. I'm excited about exploring season two and what we have in mind. Um, obviously, there's no one more invested in future episodes than the, uh, Junie S- Journey Smollett, uh, who plays Letty. And she says, I mean, it would be so wrong to folks the way episode 10 ends to not do another season. And she said that for Deadline's new Hollywood podcast. So it's more of like a fingers crossed that there'll be a season two. And it appears that the, let without any spoilers, the surviving cast members and the director (laughs) have a intention to make a season two. And I feel that the way season one was written, it's, it's opening a Pandora's box rather than trying to seal everything in a container. So I'd ga- be very excited for it. Is, it. is it going to be like a Game of Thrones where they kill off the, the good characters? And <laughs> you... <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel like you did get a kid, there was a killing off unexpectedly of a good character. And like Stephen had mentioned in episode six, there was the potential to kill off the main character in some of the main characters in serious ways. So there's that element of surprise and that Game of Thrones had in terms of 
everyone is at peril in peril at any given point and there has to be a blood sacrifice in each episode because I don't want to give too much of a spoilers away but there was one scene where I'm not sure if I can say it where a character had been rescued and she was violently dispatched with a, a slip throat and it were it felt bad I felt bad seeing it because it was interracial violence on screen and um but it felt like it had to happen to kind of keep that level of tension and anxiety in the air but i was looking forward to that character and i, I just, I just want to say one other thing there's a lot of sex in this series there, there is. was there was I've, I've in, seen series with more than this yeah there, there was there was interracial sex there was intergender sex and inter and interspecies sex. Stiletto sex. Stiletto sex. Yeah, that is well. In the, if you're in that to the S and M thing. If, if if you can call it sex, yeah. <laughs> <the> stiletto. <laughs> I I wouldn't have called that sex myself, but hey. No stone unturned is what I could say about that. So I I enjoyed it. For that reason, even though if some of those reasons got gory along the way, because it's very a lot of violent nudity going on yeah. as well. I mean, I, I would be happy to see a second season come through because I, it, it feels for me, even with the 10 episodes, it's really only just getting started. I'd like to see a, another season, I think. I enjoyed it very much. Um, shout out to uh, Michael K. Williams, who isn't Omar, but um, did play him <laughs> and played Montrose Freeman. Shout out to um, uh, uh, Jordan Patrick Smith, who was in Neighbours and is a very good actor. And I remember him in Neighbours and now he's doing like proper stuff. And um, thank you to uh, Trevor. Thank you. I'd like, I'd like to do a shout out to two performers in that show as well. Uh, a shout out to Courtney B. Vance, who plays George Freeman. And also uh, Wunmi Masaku, who had an excellent turn as uh, Ruby Baptiste and did some very good representation for the darker-skinned community of black actors and obviously trying to subvert our expectations of what uh, black female characters or even female characters are allowed to do on uh, TV. Um, what? Who would you like to give a shout out to, uh, Jamie? Oh, you know what? I was really surprised to see Jamie Chung in this because I haven't seen Jamie Chung in anything since Sucker Punch. Um, so yeah, I, I was quite surprised to see her in this. Um, so yeah, maybe a shout out to her, even though I, I'm not a huge follower. I'm I'm just you know interested in her um, career as it kind of slowly unfolds. Feels like an eternity for her, I think. Okay then, uh, thank you both for talking about Lovecraft Country with me and um, thank you Jamie. Thanks. Thanks Trevor. Thanks for having me. Bye. Cheers. And uh, thanks me, I was good too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ciao for now. Ciao, bye.